Welcome to a new episode of the Football Ramble. Leads are up, it's a London derby for the FA Cup and we're skipping into the week like Bruno Fernandes taking a penalty. It's Monday the 20th of July, I'm Kate Mason. I'm Andy Brassel. And I'm Pete. Who knew those three Donaldson syllables would I just be didn't the undoing think I had of us? time, to be honest. Oh, he's just gone Beyonce. He only needs the first name yeah. now. I didn't want to crash the vocal. Oh, I'm, I'm Radio DJ through and through. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that was lovely. How are we doing, guys? Are we skipping into the week? Oh, yeah. 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 Pete's injured. I'm injured. I'm on cordine. <laughs> I've, got, I've got a bad shoulder, so... Everything's going very well for me this morning. I'm feeling great. I'm looking at my notes. I don't know what any of them mean. <laughs> you guys are going to have to carry me. Okay, but not... Physically. Don't touch my shoulder, please. No, because we're still very much observing the one metre rule. No. No, it's better than you guys carrying me, though, because I am physically the biggest person in the room. So Physically, oh. intellectually. Big man on campus. <laughs> It's not prison, Andy. We're not going to fight you. <laughs> we have to cosy up to him anyway if he's the biggest man on campus, right? Yeah. He'd emit the most warmth in a cave if we ever got caught. So yeah. we'd hug him. Or you'd slice me open like a tauntaun. Yes, hide inside you. <laughs> yeah. oh. But I guess we don't... We. We don't eat you particularly, do we? We don't kill you and eat you as cannibals because you probably have less fat than, for example, me because women have more fat. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Really? Well, I assume so, like percentage body fat. Great to know. We're, we're, we're five minutes in. We're not even five. We're two minutes at the show, and we're already thinking about eating each other. The worst that was sort of naked and afraid ever. Right, FA Cup semi-finals, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. Let's crack immediately onto those. In fact, perhaps we should have just done that earlier. Um, I'm the one on coding, guys. <laughs> I'm just trying to make you feel like you fit in. Uh, Manchester United, one. Chelsea, three. Mm. Frank Lampard, of course, appointed. A year ago, sort of round about this time, right? Because we're yes. surprisingly playing in the summer. And he expected, of course, to be in the middle of a two-window transfer ban, played lots of, of youngsters. The other day we were talking, I think Luke, I was talking to Luke and he was like, you know, this is a half-decent performance to finish in the top four for Chelsea. And then potentially if he wins the FA Cup. I mean, I think this is an amazing first season Great performance return. for Frank Lampard. It, re it really is. And there's a lot of things for Lampard to be happy about this weekend because he didn't have to applaud Leeds onto the pitch, <laughs> which would have been his, his other possible venue of, of, of work. Um uh, yeah, I think we, we should probably concentrate on Chelsea first because we'll, we'll come to United in a, in a, in a minute. Um, but yeah, it has been fantastic for Chelsea. I mean, I think Lampard in terms of... I know we, we or I talk a lot about manager presentation or head coach presentation at the moment just because of the way... It's gone at Arsenal. We were talking about that recently. And I think, you know, the content looks so much different because of the way Arteta projects compared to, to Emery. And I suppose we could get into a bit of Solskjaer on, on that tip. But I think in terms of Lampard, he's so smart in that he is brutally realistic, yet encouraging at the same time, which is something that's very hard to hit. You know, I think when Chelsea lose, he doesn't roll back and do the full. He, he will mention we're further ahead than a lot of people expected us to be. Mm. But at the same time, he will go, like say, after the West Ham game, for example, we've got to get better which I, I think is, is is pretty good, especially considering the, the, the rotation of the team. I thought it was a, a really, really 
strong performance. Obviously, they had a little bit of help along the way, which um, I'm sure we'll come to <laughs> in, in a minute. But, I mean, this this could be an amazing season for Chelsea. If if you get top four, and not just winning in the final, but as you said in the intro, okay, London Derby, beating Arsenal in the final, that would be a massive thing for their supporters as well. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Why are we waiting for me? Like he summed it up really well. <laughs> I thought you were about to bring in some. No, really I, not, not I thought you'd so come off the main ground and you were going to come in. Oh, with I some... thought we were squaring that away, and then we were going to pile into uh, the goalkeeping of uh, Manchester United. Well, to be honest, I do find it a bit stressful that um, because it's so easy, isn't it, to pile into goalkeepers mm. in terms of like doing analysis about football. It just it. it it sometimes feels quite lazy to just talk about the mistakes that the goalkeepers have made because it's such an easy thing to talk about. It's so obvious. Anybody anybody who's watched any football can be like, oh, look, why did that go in? Um, but the sad situation is we are going to talk about it because f- you could make an argument that all three of Chelsea's goals were, were helped on their way, either by, um, well, both by poor defensive behaviour and by goalkeeping. I kind of get the feeling that... Uh with uh, Manchester United's uh, goalkeeper, he'd probably be better served if he didn't get anywhere near the ball because it would look better. Because he's going he's gonna to drop it anyway. Just take tips from Kepa. Just, yeah, just get out of the way and you look like you've just made a bad decision earlier on, sort of right at the very end. It's, it, it's not been a great season for him. Uh, this kind of happened like two years ago as well. I get the feeling they're going to make changes uh, because it's just getting stupider and stupider. But... Um, I mean, on the other side as well, I, I have to get incredibly excited about uh, the Fernandes penalty. <laughs> is he? Does he do a lot of that kind of stuff? Is I, that... I've never seen him do that before. Right. I mean, the thing is, uh, you, you get a lot of players at the moment who are doing that thing. You can't do what they used to call in Brazil the Paraginha anymore, you know, where you dummy Stutter, it and, yeah. and, and then put it in. But they're, they're kind of bringing it back in that there's, you know, maybe a bit of a a skip or a jolt mm. in the run-up. Romelu Lukaku did the same thing when he was scoring uh, for Inter against Roma last night. He did a big, exaggerated uh, fake swipe before putting <laughs> it in the other, other other corner. It's just I, so I don't, I, don't th- I don't think I have the terminology for it because it's <laughs> because it's so so new. It's not a Padagenia. That's, that's the main thing mm. to, to take home from this. But I, I think he would have thought afterwards, yeah, I didn't really mean to skip. <laughs> yeah, it is very... Because I mean, he's quite... His physicality is... Uh, I, if I was going to make any prediction for next season, if he had the time, he's going to bulk up because he's so slight. Yes. Um, and, and it would probably serve him quite well. Not that he's not had a great uh, season... Uh, thus far, but uh, yes, he did look very um, fancy, kind of floating. It's, it's into like that penalty. If if you were in a gunfight three hundred years ago, mm. it's like if you sort of you know brought your your gun round and had a massive frilly ruff on your <laughs> on your sleeve, on your sleeve yeah, that, that was just a bit longer than you intended, a bit more foppish. Mm. Yes. You know that thing about how sometimes when people are really good headers of the ball, they can like hang in the air before they like yeah. at home, it, mm. but. So he was just hanging, floating, waiting, <laughs> levitating. It's the full ascendance to godlike status of Bruno Fernandes. Right. So yeah. Caballero goes, and then bam, you got all the, you got the whole entire goal. Yeah. yeah. Why, why was Hudson Odoi even going in like that? Though it just seems like such a weird thing to do. The thing is, modern thinking in coaching is that, and you, you hear people say it all the time: defend from the front. 
Well, the reason you're a forward player is because you can't <laughs> defend. So that's the slightly flawed part of, you know, we're all in this together as a team and uh, everyone must get involved. Going back to De Gea, though, I think this is an absolutely huge problem for Manchester United because just to reiterate, he gets paid an absolutely heinous amount of money. You know, he's, he's the best paid goalkeeper out there. He gets nearly 20 million a year. Mm. Who do you get to take him? Like, like, honestly, who do you get to take him? Name me a club that can take him. I think it's very difficult because whenever there's a big goalkeeper on the move, and I don't think there's a sense that any of the biggest clubs in Europe at the moment have a vacancy. I mean, to commit to that, especially in this current financial environment, I don't see the landing spot for him. I don't see, even if there was, I mean... Is he considered an upgrade by by any of the elite clubs around? I think there's always been a question, really. Is he really? I know the like common consensus in the in the in the Premier League has has been he's if not the best goalkeeper in the world, pretty close. Over well, certainly a couple of years ago, that was sorry, we're still talking about the oh right, yeah. just not now. Yeah. No, no, no. But a couple of years ago, people definitely thought that. Well, there kind of behind the world before the World Cup, basically, I would say. Yeah, when so, that, that was maybe the moment where people really noticed. But it's, it's funny because in Spain, the feeling was all, already Kepa, stay with me here. <laughs> should 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 have been the first choice. <laughs> you know, there was there was never this sense that he's reached that Ica Casillas thing. I, I mean, I. I half joked on our, our, our WhatsApp group that if there was a poll in market tomorrow of who should be the next uh, the new Spain goalkeeper but like at least 60% would say Casillas even, <laughs> even, even though he's retired but he's never had that he's never had that same aura not even back at Atletico there's never the sense because they've had two better and more successful goalkeepers since in Thibaut Courtois and, and Jan Oblak so he's really kind of a footnote in in history for them. Maybe his career and his perception in Spain would have been different if he'd have ended up making that that um, move to Real Madrid. But the fact is, De Gea has made a lot of incredible saves for Manchester United. He's saved Manchester United a lot. But there's a massive difference between making unbelievable saves and being the goalkeeper for an elite team where basically the job is way different because you have to stand about loads. And, you know, I'm asking, has he flourished because Manchester United have been below par Sir Alex Ferguson. Do we know that he can do that elite goalkeeper job? And I, I think it's, it's a viable question. Well, how many mistakes did Carius make before he was bombed out? You know, because Liverpool had obviously had, uh, yeah. had sort of aspirations to yeah. win Champions Leagues and, uh, and win uh, the, the Premier League. It, it, it's really not good enough for anyone in the top 10, I would say. Uh, David, David here. Yeah, it's, yeah. But, and also the point about Manchester United having... Um, had him as their player of the season for four years out of five. I mean, mm. you know, obviously he must, he's a good player. That's a representation mm. of that, but it, it's not a great, I think we said, I'm sure at this time, like it's not a great sign if your goalkeeper is the best mm. player on, on the pitch because no. ideally you wouldn't want him to be. I mean, the other question and perhaps what made it weirder is why was he playing in the first place? I mean, you want him to be able to play and not make mistakes, but the normal cup goalkeeper is Sergio Romero. What I don't, understand why, why um, Ole Gunnar Solskjaer particularly picked him for this game and he may, seemed to make quite a lot of strange starting decisions. He said afterwards Solskjaer, you always question your decisions okay, good um, but, <laughs> Because but, God knows everybody else does as well <laughs> But, but the, yeah, David De Gea's confidence is mentally very strong, he knows he should save that one, I assume he's talking about the middle one, 100 times out of 100 but that's football for you I made the decision to play him and mentally he was ready for it 
But that sort of whole team selection sort of reeked of this isn't important. The league, exactly, and, and uh, the European places are all uh, all important in this particular situation. So they never really came up with blocks for me. Now, Paul Pogba looked very relaxed mm. in the stand, didn't he? <laughs> you very don't want him relaxed. relaxed now, yeah. <laughs> what sort of message are you sending if you're not playing Paul Pogba from the start in a, mm. in a knockout competition? Yeah, and Martial has been absolutely flying of, of, of late. Um, but I think it's clear that getting back into the Champions League is is, is the key for them. It's mm. absolutely huge. It's key for Solskjaer as, as, as well, really, because every time they lose a game like that, he's questioned again. As he should be if Mauricio Pochettino is still out there and free, to be honest, because, you know, there can't be anyone who genuinely thinks that that is not an upgrade for Manchester United. If you're able to do that deal, just do it. When is that spectre going to, the spectre <laughs> at the feast going to disappear, though? When, when he gets another job. When he, gets another job. <laughs> when he signs for your lot. Right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think when he gets in your castle. Very yes. much fair to say. Well, some other people who are trying to, or well, may well get into Europe but via this means are Arsenal. Football club. <laughs> <laughs> cool name. <laughs> We're discussing also on the WhatsApp group um, things that we personally hate in football, terminologies that are used in football that we personally hate. My one is the likes of. Um, mm. Was it you, Pete, who said, or was it you, Andy, who said saying football club after the name of the football club? Uh, it wasn't me that said it, but I, I would have said it. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know why the likes of always just really sticks in my. Yeah. I, don't, I don't, I don't know why that is a necessary I, element of a sentence. What's going to happen? There's going to be more Uniteds in the Premier League now, uh, or certainly next season. Mm. Can we have the Uniteds back? Can we take it back off Manchester United if they don't make the, <laughs> the Champions League? I'm furious, furious. Absolutely. It only happened like two seasons ago. Well, well, Leeds fans always had that song in the '90s. I don't know if they still sing it. They used to sing, "There's only one United, and that's a chocolate biscuit." <laughs> nice. Which is is very much a. I'm not a, a, a United. 80s, 90s. <laughs> yeah, it's very much an 80s, 90s <laughs> reference. Kate's looking blank there. Sorry. I've never had a United. Who remembers Viscounts? Starburst. Oh, Viscounts. <laughs> Viscounts, different level biscuit. Yo yo or Viscount. I always thought yo yo were like a little bit more down. Trodden. Yeah, Is yo yeah. yeah. like a wagon wheel or what are we talking here? Uh, smaller wagon wheel, harder. Mint fondant kind of based thing. Mint, mm. crikey, very nice. Um, back and to orange. <laughs> and an orange version. Yeah, the orange one. That yeah. was the one. That was the one. Wouldn't want anyone to think that I'm not giving Arsenal their full juice on this game. No, that's not giving Arsenal their fair juice. No, we're talking about biscuits. It's not you. <laughs> People, Kate Mason cannot be held responsible for not giving Arsenal their juice. I want us to praise Arsenal and their good performance. That is, that's the atmosphere I'm trying to set up here because mm. I think it's completely justified. Um, and in particular, defender of the season off the performance <laughs> we saw there. Yes. David Luiz. Last time they were playing up in Manchester, it was that I, I was like I could, I'd almost forgotten it was that was the game where he conceded a goal, gave away a penalty, mm. and then was sent off, having only been brought on partway into the game. I just love the fact that he sort of pointed up after the the match, and there's a lot of criticism about the defence, <laughs> and he went, "You mean me? Everyone's criticising me." <laughs> I really love his. I, I love him when he gets uh, interviewed because he's he seems like such a kind of. Um, He's clearly a very intelligent uh, person, but he he, he um, when he does stuff wrong, he he admits to it and sort of says, "I'm sometimes not very good at this." <laughs> Sorry, he he is so fantastically honest, <laughs> isn't he? I I, I interviewed him um, at length when he was at, at Paris Saint Germain, 
And he didn't shy away from any of it. Like the 7-1 against Germany in the World Cup, all of that. He was happy to go through it. In, well, <laughs> maybe happy, like slight exaggeration. <laughs> he, was, he was open to going through it in absolutely painstaking detail. And it, it, it was like, like you say, he just said to Dennis Kelly, you, you can say me. That's fine. Mm. That's fine. It was <laughs> like he was comforting him, <laughs> wasn't he? But yeah. he, was, he was absolutely brilliant. And I think that's kind of the frustrating thing about David Luiz. I mean... I I take like I think it's Luke's point in in previous weeks in that the way he defends the way he chooses to defend is a lot more problematic as you you get older and your athletic gifts start to wane. Mm. But it's the thing I always loved about David Luiz. If you wind it all the way back to when he was first in Europe at Benfica, the fact that he did have that flying by the seat of your pants style of of, of defending. But that's fine for a team like Benfica when you're battering teams every single week mm. is it fine in the Premier League has it ever been fine in the Premier League probably not mm. but it's, for, for some reason I mean it's, it's not that he is, is not capable of being an absolute top class defender because he showed that at the weekend didn't he again it was a performance reminiscent of the way he played in the, the 2012 Champions League final which I know is always his, his, his reference match for, for, for Chelsea um, you know I also take the point that he looks better in a back three with those declining athletic abilities but still for him to pull out something like that th- there is at least a part of you that says Mate, could you not knuckle down and do this every week? <laughs> yeah, but some of we it. We know you're a good footballer, but just do a bit more of the but, defending. But, but was it fair to say that like Xhaka and like Ceballos and stuff, they, they, they put in a shift as well? Yeah, they were fantastic. Made them, it made him, uh, you know, have less to do. Yeah. So like, it, it, it's, it's a team game and it's not just about one gigantic maniac defender who <laughs> keeps messing up. No, apparently it's all about Alteta as well, isn't it? Mm, yes. But yeah. um, and, and whereas, whereas I respect his work so far... I, I do think that a lot of it is about projection. I mean, it's interesting to talk about, you, know, you have a lot of um, writers and commentators that have said since this Arsenal win at the weekend, well, if he gets the, if he gets the right back in, if he gets the right place, that just shows what a good communicator he is. Because for Arteta to have convinced people that, oh, if you, if you give me some signings, it'll be all sweetness and light next, next season. <laughs> we'll make the Champions League, we'll be challenging... It's still a work in progress. One game does not produce, very much like David Luiz. David Luiz is the situation in microcosm. It, it doesn't prove that you can do it 40 times in a season or 50 times in a season or 58 times in a season or, 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 or whatever, does it? it? You know, Arsenal fans should absolutely say this. It's something to be proud of. It's fantastic. If they win a trophy, then, then absolutely great. But it's still just a step on the road. And actually, that's another thing that David Luiz was very good at pointing out afterwards, wasn't it? Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, I think also it helped that he did do some of that like incredible last ditch defending and it came off. I mean, it obviously doesn't always come off. We must talk about the... Extreme. Brazilian John Terry. <laughs> Crikey. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm not sure you want to level that at anyone. <laughs> um, we must talk about the extraordinary team goal as well, uh, just under 20 minutes. Um Absolutely amazing the way they played out from the back and mm. managed to, to finish that. I don't, though, and I never... This is probably just my lack of like playing football knowledge but you know with Nicola Pepe as soon as he gets it what foots he get like a child knows where's he, where's he's gonna try and move that That's fair. why does Benjamin Mendy stand off him I didn't fully understand how that was playing out really I think they were just surprised because they struggled to get out of their uh, their half before the, the actual goals went in so they was like <laughs> they, they've not done this who are these well, guys well, yeah <laughs> what's happening now 
<laughs> They're not allowed near this goal. <laughs> yeah, it was brilliant, the way they strung it all together. City do seem absolutely horrified to realise that defending competently is part of the game. <laughs> I mean, that has been their season, hasn't it? They've been in absolute shell shock over it. But, you know, we were talking about expensive deadweights in David De Gea. Does, does Mendy fall into that category? Oh, no. I, I, I don't Fan favourite. I don't Benjamin want to. <laughs> Social media favourite. <laughs> yeah. I, I think you have to ask whether, whether, he, whether he does. You know, I, I mean, it's, it's mistake after mistake after mistake. I mean, I, I don't think they even gets into his top five, really. No. I mean, a part of it is that they bought him relatively raw. They bought him after a year at Monaco. They paid more than three times what Monaco bought him for. And he's been injured a hell of a lot. And he's, he's been injured a hell of a lot. So, I mean, there's a lot of learning that he's, certainly like top level learning that he's missed out on in, in, in that time. But I, th- I think we should get away with, from that. And yeah, as you say, that the, the Arsenal goal, that is the sort of thing, that first goal is the sort of thing that makes you believe, I reckon, as an Arsenal fan, isn't it? Well, we know that Jim is from his... Lovely little joyful text messages on the WhatsApp. Did you, he was did, full did, of it. Did you, bloody did, full you, of it. did you say text messages? Did well, I? So, so, some would say digital sermons. Yeah, <laughs> yes, his, um, his epistles. Um, <laughs> also, Raheem Sterling missed a lot of chances for City that he wouldn't normally miss. He sort of mm. nosed one. I mean, I know he's not a header, major header of the ball, but he, you know, he could have done pretty much anything and it would have gone into a goal he missed from close-ish range. Didn't have the best game. Yeah, um, but I, it, I, I think I think just Manchester City was very surprised at uh, the, the the discipline Arsenal showed right throughout the game. Yeah, and and Arsenal are good for their win. Emi Martinez number one shirt is he in the market for it now? I, I reckon he really should be. I mean, I think it was Nick Ames from the Guardian made a very good point about there was, um, I, I think it was a Riyad Mahrez it was. Sh- shot actually. Yeah, and he gathered where, it. He just gathered it because it, because he catches it. Because he gathers it, as you say, Kate, it looks like a run-of-the-mill save. But it's an amazing save yeah. that he makes look like a, a run-of-the-mill save. I, I know Tim Vickery's been really big on him, like making a Martinez making a push for the Argentina number one shirt because mm. they've, they've they've got a, a, a not convincing number of options there. I mean, this could be a huge moment for his for his whole career, couldn't it? Goalkeepers don't catch anymore. Nobody does the Neville Southall like like. In the top yes. corner of the thing, catch, grab. Nobody does it. They palm it out and then, you know, somebody can knock it in. And that's a real I shame. I want so catches back. To see it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so you'll be petitioning old Arteta yeah. for, for him to, to take this number one shirt full time. All right, so it is a London derby final. It's at Wembley. Bizarre, empty Wembley full of really loud crowd music. I don't, <laughs> I don't know why. Like, you know watching what? on the BBC, Gary Lineker, you can see they're all mm. just going... Jesus, it's actually quite noisy. I'm struggling a bit to hear myself and there's no one here to listen to it apart from us. You know, the the first PA that I felt like that about was the Stadium of Light PA right. for, for, for Sunderland. You know, it's EDM just... intensifies. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, I mean, I remember like going there when I, when I still lived up in the northeast, and and they first moved into there, I suppose, in the, in, in the late 90s. I was just like, this is way too loud for so early on a on a on a Saturday. There's I don't know no, if that says something about my lifestyle at the time. <laughs> but, you were um, fresh from the super club, weren't you? <laughs> yeah, exactly. You'd just flown in from Germany in the the Ber- is it Bergen in uh in <laughs> You know it, mate. <laughs> <laughs> but at, at least at least John Moss came uh dressed for a party. Yeah. Bless him. Mossy, embroidered <laughs> on his boots. I th- I'd look more of that. I think I think referees should be able to uh Choose their own clothes. Turn up in denim. Oh, nice. 
Might yeah. be a bit. So many of them will wear double denim, though. Yeah. We know what sort of people referees are. I'm sorry. We know what sort of people referees are. <laughs> I love referees. I thought they you were saying you love double denim. <laughs> I love double denim. <laughs> Except in the studio, which is incredibly warm. Uh, final, 1st of August at Wembley, at Noisy Wembley. Mm. Hopefully with plenty of embroidered referees' boots and double denim. Right, let's skip to a little commentary mench from, before we go to a break, from Norwich nil Burnley 2. No, I'm not going to pass further judgment on kind of Norwich's failings, mm. don't you worry, but we do need well, that's, to... Well, that, that's Luke's wheelhouse. Yeah. I wouldn't want to steal it off him. <laughs> he just won't stop. <laughs> we do, in the championship, Luke, leave it leave it out. <laughs> um, <laughs> Nick Pope, 15 clean sheets, very mm. much in the, in the market for for the England team in the lead for the Golden Glove. But apparently that's not the only thing that he's very talented at, which is lovely to see. Bit of oh, bit. This guy's pretty special between oh. the sheets. Between the, sh- the sticks. <laughs> <laughs> pretty special between those sheets. I did not know that was about to happen. Sorry, kid. I got it given to me. I'm just passing it on to the listeners. Let's have it again. This guy's pretty special between the sheets. Between the, sh- the sticks, I should say. He needs to between the shits, I think. <laughs> the shit sticks. Oh, God. <laughs> the thing is, because Efenokoku is so deadpan, that's yes. what makes it so good. <laughs> Afterwards, he tweeted, just to clarify. <laughs> just to clarify. <laughs> just to clarify, people. I've never seen him have sex. I've not had a thing, inverted commas, with Nick Pope or a chat with his partner, but I do like him as a keeper. <laughs> Sticks and sheets, that's live TV. And then when I pasted it into my uh, laptop, you know how sometimes they write out what the emo- automatically what the emoji would be? Right. So it just says, flushed face. Oh, <laughs> lovely. <laughs> oh, fantastic. That and Ashley Cole over the weekend. I mean, you know, like I watch Ashley Cole on Pundit Duty and I just, he's still an academy coach, isn't he, at Chelsea? Yes. I kind of worry for the future of that academy, to be honest. Because <laughs> he can't, he, he doesn't seem very good at expressing, he, he was one of the best left backs in the world. If you sort of hear like, um, Philip Lahm talking very eloquently. But mm. I've heard him talk about like politics and Ozil and Erdogan and stuff like that. He, he doesn't mind getting involved. But Ashley Cole can't seem to explain a football match in which he's played thousands of. It, uh, I don't know. It's I'd, a very I'd, different I'd, skill, I, I to know be fair to the lad. I know he's like new to it, but oh, man. Maybe he, he was, makes his point with some sort of light weapon, perhaps. <laughs> yes. He was more animated, I thought. He's getting more animated, I mm. think, as he does more games. Um Maybe I like being outside at the weekend because obviously that, that that studio is outside at uh, at Wembley. So I don't know. I just I just fear for him. <laughs> What's he going to do <laughs> in the future? Perhaps we can try for an alfresco studio further mm. down the line at Football Ramble. That's one for you, Pete. Oh. Well, well no, no, it's, it's, oh, for, no. it's for you, Kate, because as we know, in summer all the cool teachers have their lessons outside. So are you saying I'm a cool? Is that my role? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Cool teacher. Oh, I don't like that. <laughs> 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 oh, let's get to a break, <laughs> children. All right, welcome back to the Football Ramble. It's time for a quick update of Betway's four to score. Now, two of this weekend's four selected matches have already happened, but they're not all finished yet. That said, we are already out. Pete, Mm. you picked Gina Stanislas in Bournemouth versus Southampton yesterday afternoon. I thought he might have got a penalty, but he didn't. (sighs) So I ruined it just because by virtue of the fact that it was the first match so well you say, yes mm. you say that of course Danny Ng's got the opener there um, in that 2-0 win for Southampton 
But then, Annie Brassel, we need to call you to account as well because you picked Jamie Vardy. But frankly, the other one, the other main one you could have picked, uh, Harry Kane was the first goal scorer because if you get own goals, they don't count. That James Justin one. Although, so, really, you shouldn't be calling me to account. You should be calling Hugo Lloris to account. Because he stopped Jamie Vardy scoring when it was still 1-0, didn't yeah, he? Yeah, and who needs that? Luke picked Sander Berger in Sheffield United versus Everton. That's tonight at 6pm. And obviously, we'll hope Raul Jimenez scores versus Palace in a later kickoff. Over 3,500 Betway customers are still in with that Kane goal. Mm. So if you tune in tomorrow, we'll find out if anyone successfully picked all four goal scorers. Mm. I just want people to be better than us. Well, I mean, that's not, that's not hard. <laughs> but. I've only done it once and I was so dreadful that the person I picked didn't even play. Um, so I really don't know why I'm making out this is some sort of easy thing. Next, we must go to Watford. Watford's still uncertain about which league they're going to be playing in uh, next season. But one thing they do know is that they're not going to be playing in it with Nigel Pearson because mm. he has been sacked over the weekend in a slightly... I think it's fair to say, extraordinary turn of events. Yes, they were battered by West Ham on Friday night and that was the kind of must win for both of those teams. Um, so West Ham look as though they're staying up now, definitely. Um, but He's Pearson's gone. He's gone. Do you think like Watford would be better served like getting managers on leases rather than kind of... Very sensible. In, you know, like uh, getting a car lease rather yeah. than... More like a rental agreement. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, Loan managers. Yeah, I mean, what, I mean, what is the point of going to Watford at the moment? Because it, they can't be paying out masses of uh, masses of uh, amounts of money when you leave because mm. they do it so much. It would it would completely ruin the club every time you sack one of your twelve managers over nine years. So like, there can't be much of a payout. It must be just kind of like a come to us, have a little bit of fun in the Premier League, see if you've uh, got what it takes. And it's not really a stepping stone though. Um, but managers I, haven't sort of gone and, and done anything else afterwards I don't I, think I, th I think you have to ask about Nigel Pearson though mm. what other Premier League club would have given him a job mm. I mean I, I kind of appreciate the fact with Watford that their strength is their structural stability is not the coach and that's fine because before this season they've not really come close to being relegated since mm. they've been up have they I mean it's, it's just it's just gone wrong this season I, I, I'm sure Watford fans will have far greater detail and all the reasons that that is that than me but does it become does it get to a point where the market for coaches as Pete says because there's no long-termism there mm. it severely restricts the type of coaches you can get and do you get to this point where you can't actually get Premier League standard coaches anymore mm. because no serious coach actually consider it. wants to take the job that's not to say that Nigel Pearson hasn't done a pretty good job I mean uh, well, he seems uh, to have done yeah. almost everything that was asked of him I mean on your note about people perhaps thinking they might not want to come and manage at Watford shall I give us a read of the statement that Watford put out to confirm <laughs> the departure of Nigel Pearson it's three lines Watford confirms that Nigel Pearson has left the club with immediate effect. Hayden Mullins, with Graham Stack as his assistant, will take up the position of interim head coach for the Hornets' final two Premier League fixtures of the 2019-20 season. There will be no further club comment. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's, uh, it's pretty basic, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> the, the, criti I... the criticism levelled at them seems to be that they, 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 after lockdown they've started against kind of slow and they've left certain players out. The the the, the hierarchy don't seem to uh, understand. But I mean, they got Man City on Tuesday. That's going to be like eleven men behind the ball, isn't it? If not more. 
Look, they got two wins in the last five games, which were pretty decent. Yeah. And I mean, I thought actually those I thought those statements were pretty much automa- automatically populated. So they just seem to have removed the bit that says the club would like to praise on record their thanks for Nigel Pearson. Well, if, if you're going to if you're going to fire managers that often, yeah. <laughs> just want to keep it. It, it, it probably is a, a, a template, isn't it? Mm. It's like a sort of standard text. Yeah, the little uh, paperclip pops up and says, "It appears you are firing your manager again." Do you, <laughs> do you, want, to, do, you do it like this? <laughs> like I don't know. I don't want to stoke any kind of speculation here, but um, oh, that could be a, an option. Anyway, um, look yeah. if, if they're choosing any other option at this point apart from Troy Deeney as player manager, I'm not in. <laughs> yeah, well, it Marlin- has to be surely. Mullins has done it before, of course. I, I guess it was after Sanchez Flores, yes. was it? Yes. So that is also within the context of this one season. We're still mm. talking about this current season. Mm. Amazing to remember. So look, you know, he's he's used to stepping up uh, from the under-23s. There's a good thing in The Athletic by old Adam Leventhal uh, says that Gino Pozzo and technical director Filippo Giraldi had concerns about his tactics. I mean, really? <laughs> this, this is an interesting point in the season to have a... Concern. To have a rethink. <laughs> yeah. It's not really a new manager bounce if you just remove the manager. I mean, it's, it's, it's the people who are there already. So... Yeah, I, I don't, don't know. I don't know. We, we're look, loath as we are to indulge in unfounded speculation. Uh, Pearson's win rate of 35% was the best of any Watford manager or head coach in Premier League history. It does sound like something's gone on. <laughs> whichever whichever way you look at it, it looks like something's gone on. You can say fight if you want. I can, I do, it looks like something's gone on, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> the thing is, I, I don't know, if you, if you want to envisage a fight between head coach and a senior player mm. these days especially I want to think of it as like some sort of a, a, a dressing room in which you've got room for wrestling you know right. so so like mm. the Emirates or something like that you're not going to have anything like that Vicarage Road no on. you're going to be I, knocking I mean, over tea knocking over plates of uh, sandwiches and stuff it's going to be a nightmare banging into walls <laughs> yes. I mean even if you don't want to you're going to end up dunking the other person's head in the toilet <laughs> What an image. What a beautiful we're, we're, image. we're moving quickly from like dressing room dust up to, you know, prison bathroom attack, <laughs> aren't we? I was talking about prison. <laughs> <laughs> Biggest guy in prison, Brattle. He's trying to subliminally message us. Not very subtly, Pete. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll get you your coffee in a moment, Andy. <laughs> give me a chance. Um, right, something beautiful then to move on to. Spurs beating Leicester 3-0, guys. Did you all enjoy this as much as I did? Well, I'm, um, I'm not sure that's possible. No. <laughs> Something beautiful. Sitting so deep, Vardy can't get in behind you. <laughs> so beautiful. How beautiful was that? <laughs> I mean, more the sight of Harry Kane scoring a double. I, and I also love his like tired man Kane celebration. But the fact is now he's like, looks like he's back to proper fitness. He's... Isn't that playing on the counter-attack for you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> uh, I think it is. Yeah. It, it is interesting. I mean, I, I think... There is a temptation sometimes when you look at a game like that to sort of go back to like Real Madrid in 2003 when Casillas and Ronaldo were in their pomp and think, as, as, as Sid Lowe once put it, maybe there's a feeling that if your goalkeeper and centre-forward are that good, you can busk all the stuff in between. Mm. But actually, it did feel, rightly or wrongly, that yeah, that there's, there's, there's more of a click between Mourinho and the players because Lucas Moura, was absolutely outstanding. Mm. And you think they've reached a point where what they're doing really suits him mm. as, as, as well. And that was that was something that, 
you know, he, he did lots of useful stuff, as, but obviously notably scored a hat-trick in a Champions League semi-final. But who I, remembers I think, that? Yeah, who remembers that exactly? Well, the last season was a really bloody long time ago now. <laughs> but I think when you look at the role that Lucas has, has, has played, and he was not an insignificant signing, particularly in terms of what Spurs have spent over the last couple of years, had they really found a place that feels like his in the team? Or has he been someone who's been doing a lot of odd jobs, really? He's like a posh, odd job man for, for, for the team. But there, yesterday, he made perfect sense, mm. I thought. Yeah, it's true. I was, I mean, I was quite keen on the two up front classic 4-4-2 that we uh, demonstrated against. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's me. Um, that we, we had against in the North London derby because it left Kane... Um, with more options and he was not isolated. Mm. But as you say, it seemed to f- start... I don't know. Again, we don't want to start making massive generalisations about the future of three games, effectively. But And also in such weird circumstances. Mm. But it did seem, as Andy is saying, as though it was clicking into gear a bit more and people knew their roles. Um, and, you know, Harry Kane f- can finish, so... Mm. I, I kind of felt sorry for... Uh, I am starting to feel increasingly uh, sorry for Rodgers because they have fallen away a little bit, Leicester, and, and they've had a lot of injuries and he barely changed his team at the start of the season and and, and, mm. and they look like a look like a decent outfit and, and I, I fear that it's going to... His lack of success in the back end of the season, if they do drop out, um, will just be blamed on the usual kind of like Brentisms and like uh, he's a bit of a... Bit of a uh, a source of mirth rather than they've had a lot of injuries and he's had to rotate a lot more. Yeah, of course. And I mean, if that's the classic thing from their title winning season, isn't it? Leicester mm. using fewer players than anyone else. Jason Mourinho says, sorry, do you want to go back to that? Should we give Leicester a bit more? <laughs> no, carry on, carry on. Jason Mourinho says, I can compare it to my time at Porto. When I got to Porto in January, that half of the season was tough but crucial in preparing for the next one. That's it, what I'm doing now, accumulating knowledge. If he's saying that he's going to go on, yes! win the league two <laughs> years in a row, and then the Europa League and the Champions League, I am on board I'm for that for sort that, of yeah. self-delusion. <laughs> That's very hurtful. <laughs> you know, there's it's been like, like the soul of Spurs, isn't it? <laughs> like when you hurt one of them, <laughs> yeah. that's good. Yeah. But, Every time you say that, what is it? A fairy dies. But, but because because of this attritional nature of Spurs, I, I am sort of beginning to wonder. You know, the question is not will Harry Kane score goals in in this system because, like you say, he'll score goals in any system. He'll find he'll find a way. After Granada qualified for Europe this weekend, which was absolutely extraordinary, with Roberto Soldado scoring the opening goal. We're going to come on to your minute in a second. Athletic. (laughs) (laughs) I wonder whether a 35-year-old Roberto Soldado would thrive in this system. I mean, he is real (laughs) spit and sawdust, Mourinho type business. Even though he did score this crucial goal, can we say Roberto Soldado, seven goals this season, 14 bookings. Oh, that is that's what you a, like. That's that's the that, ratio you that want to like, about. That's putting yourself about. Lovely. Yeah. Get him in. Get him in to the team. <laughs> um, and f- what well, do you want to tell us about what happened in La Liga then, Andy? Just in. Yeah. We're well, just going to do it in a little. Give it a little moment because of course. I've got a stopwatch on. It was the last. Have you got something that can uh, do time? Yes. Well done. Pete. He, 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 no. Pete handies the te- handies. Pete. I handy the tech. <laughs> Poor tech. Because um, it was, of course, the last day of the season in La Liga, Andy Brassel. Mm. Would you like to tell us your one-minute summary of what transpired? 
Yeah, well, as 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 we say, um, Granada qualified for Europe, which is a newly promoted team, was absolutely extraordinary. Although I did notice Diego Martinez, their fantastic coach, sort of holding his face, which afterwards, which for a lot of people seemed to be, <clears throat> I can't believe that we've done it. But in fact, it was probably, we've got to do the qualifiers. Fuck, we're back at work in a week. <laughs> no holiday for you. <laughs> no, but the other thing we have to say is about uh, Santi Cazorla mm. as well. His final game for Villarreal. And there's coming back from being two years out with injury. And there's coming back from two years out for injury to be one of the best players in the league. Uh, he set up another one, got the bumps. Again, I'm not sure if that's an Don't ideal give thing. <laughs> given how accident prone he's been. But yeah, he's leaving. We don't know if he's retiring or going off to hang out with Xavi and make a load of coin over over in um, the Middle East. And also um, Bruno, uh, their other excellent midfield player who's out for over three years. He played his last game before retiring. No mentions for either of the two teams at the top of the table, nope. are they? <laughs> well, Real Madrid spoiled it by uh, foiling Leganes' great escape. So, no, they won't mm. be getting a mention on here. Yeah. Oh, burn. Vanished. All right, let's skip into the championship or championship mm. no longer because Leeds United are back in the big time. 16 years out and they are now a Premier League club once more. And it really seems as though... It's this conversation about what is a big club. I saw quite a few people on Twitter saying that... Uh, Manchester City's not a big club, but Leeds United is a big club, which is an enjoyable debate to have. But either way, it's pretty exciting to have Leeds and Marcelo Bielsa in, in the Premier League next season. I think that and is a very much <laughs> <laughs> conditioning clause of, uh, of, of of this concept. If he stays, of course, he's still got to sign a, a new contract. Um, but, you know, a lot of people would, would love to see him managing a, a, a team in the Premier League. And I'm, I'm absolutely no different. It'll be fantastic. I mean, I don't really fancy your job on Sky much that season, trying to cut his press conferences down <laughs> to stuff that you can drop in <laughs> within, within the hour. Give us a I, I, mean, <laughs> I, th- I think there's going to have to be a separate channel now Leeds are in the Premier League on yeah. Sky. Maybe maybe that I'm could be it. it. Maybe, maybe it. you could commute from Sky Sports News to uh, Sky Sports Bielsa HD. Yeah. <laughs> I think that would be awesome. Yeah. So the guy, the boss of um, Sky Sports News is actually a Leeds fan. Lovely guy. Very, oh, so it's a possibility Yeah, then. very like very <laughs> gregarious, always very friendly around the office. And he was in the office on, I was, I was in the studio on Thursday night when they were playing up against Barnsley. You would have thought, um, quite chilled about this one. Mm. You know, it was all falling into place. But he was so nervous about the whole experience mm. and I really felt like that's the thing you forget it's like extreme pain or something along those lines it's like period pain guys something you can really right. empathise with it's hard to imagine it when it's not currently happening to you so mm. watching someone really like suffer on behalf of their team in that moment was quite but when it lifts it's yeah. oh my word it's beautiful it's beautiful <laughs> what was he doing was he in the background of shots Just on the pacing, tables pacing. pacing up and down <laughs> not really concentrating on what was happening on the television <laughs> But it's it's fantastic. It, it, I feel really sorry for the city that they have. They, I guess, haven't been able to um, celebrated in the way that they'd probably have liked because mm. of uh, lockdown stuff like that. But I mean, <laughs> Bielsa joining that club. I remember he sort of said, "I've been, I've watched all of the matches. It's like forty-two matches uh, of Leeds and like three friendlies, and um, they've got fifteen more players than they need. Oof. And I think they probably need fifteen more players." Like now, to like to to go up because 
you know, I, I, you know, Bamford in the Premier League. I, I don't know. There's certain kind of players for Leeds. I, I just think they just need more bodies. I, they certainly will need more goals. Is that fair? I think Bamford's going to play the theme tune, isn't he? <laughs> isn't he? When I just that, can't see him knocking the. I just can't see him knocking in in the Premier League. But the, nor, nor can I. But on the other hand. Bielsa is one of those extraordinary characters that makes you, makes you feel that anything is possible. Mm. Because really, should they have been able to play that well in the championship over the last two years with those players? Mm. To me, it doesn't look like a massively inspiring squad, give or take 104-year-old Pablo Hernandez. <laughs> but I think that's the thing that Bielsa does. I mean, Dimitri Payet explained it quite well from when he was at Marseille. Bielsa opens up a bit of your footballing brain that you didn't even realise was there. And that's why people love him. If you Wikipedia'd him and looked at the honours, you wouldn't think, oh, wow, oh, my goodness. Hmm. But, you know, the reason that he's got that respect is people know what he can do. It's not just his philosophy. Well, actually, let's say dogma. It is a dogma. Mm. And he's been open about that. And again, it'd be interesting to see if they lose a couple at the start of next season, how they will kind of respond to that because how it adapts to the Premier League, I, I think will be fascinating. Mm. Having said that, it shouldn't have worked in the championship. The fact that he's got these really labour intensive methods, that he had to do 46 games <laughs> and yet somehow they've, they've got there. I guess the hiatus has worked really well for them this year. That's certainly the argument, isn't it? Hasn't and it? it's not even physically, just mentally, you know. Bielsa's quite an intense chapter to deal with, I imagine, as a footballer. But but he <laughs> he can make players worth so much than even they think they could be. Mm. And given that each footballer out there, even if they're playing the championship, thinks I'm the absolute best, or you you know, you've got to try and have that mindset, that's that's pretty incredible, I think. The the way that sort of like Sheffield United sort of came up and you'd sort of argue that a lot of teams didn't really um pay much attention to them and Sheffield United got quite a lot of points by just surprising teams. Yes. I think Leeds are going to have a harder time because they know how diligent the manager is. They know how kind of uh, very uh, very across the details uh, the manager is. So like I think they're going to have a harder time of it than than any other promoted team it's in good the point. last five years. It's a good point you make though. I you wonder think- how much money they will actually spend mm. because in his last big European job at, at Lille which went horrendously wrong he spent a shitload of cash mm. and it, like you say he's very specific about his demands so if he does stay and he will have a load of conditions for staying I'm hopeful that he, he, he will stay mm. but yeah they, they, they might they might go mad I mean within the boundaries Reasons. of what they're actually <laughs> able to do but yeah. wait, Pete, you, sorry, just to go back to that, you, you think that they're going to have the hardest time of any promoted team in the last five years? Well, no, they've got an all right squad, but I would say that um, teams will be wise to the fact that their manager is all about the details. They will have, He will have studied the opposition way harder than any other kind of like um, blood and bluster kind of uh, championship manager. Like compared to a Warnock, for example. If you're coming up against a Warnock team, you know, look, quality will probably see us through. He's just going to do what Warnock does. But I think with Bielsa, he will have studied every possible avenue that every footballer is going to is going to go down. I, I, I just worry that people are going to concentrate on them way more than any other team that have uh, gone up. And of course, are you saying as well that once in the Premier League, you know, you're coming up against a hell of a lot of managers like that? Yeah. Some of whom he's, you know, inspired. I think he's going to have quite He's going to fit in really nicely, I think. I, I'm really, really looking forward to uh, Leeds in the Prem, back in the Prem. Other than that lot with their 
brilliant success and now no longer a championship club, a Premier League club. The championship itself is absolutely mad. So the <laughs> final day of the season, I know we've been saying this, but it is. It's, it's a really fun uh, final few weeks to have been watching. Um, the final day of the season is on Wednesday. So that's uh, 12 games, all, the, all clubs in action. There's still three teams who could win that second automatic promotion place and seven teams could go down. Uh, Brentford suffered their first defeat over the weekend in the championship since February. Um, at the worst possible time. Oh, mm. God, bless yeah. them. They needed to win the last two, which they were already on this extraordinary eight-game winning run and they just needed two more games to get into the Premier League. But the, anyway. The thing is, it's a, it's a confidence thing, isn't it? Because at this point, the fact that they had automatic promotion within their grasp and that they're mm. probably not going to do it, it does make you think, yeah, you're not going to win the playoffs. Does it? Yeah, totally. They play some <laughs> lovely stuff, Thomas Frank's side. Oh, they, they, they do. But I'm I'm just saying the nature of going out like that. I'm not, I'm not basing that on any sort of science <laughs> or form or anything like that. But you just get that feeling of, yeah, you're not going to win the pass. <laughs> I mean, you'll have seen Brentford loads more than me, so... Well, I I don't want to make any kind of uh, bet against you because when you speak with that level of authority, Andy. Um, and and what else? Other games? Fulham 5, Sheffield Wednesday 3, QPR 4, Millwall 3, Blackburn Rovers 4, Reading 3. This is the stuff we want. And just to bring you up to date with Wednesday's favourite um, 8-0 win, uh, Hull were then subsequently also beaten by Luton. But just mm. the 1-0, that one. And yeah, you've got to add the Wigan thing into that as well as well because they might end up getting relegated with the with the points deduction. Yeah. So they're they're way up in with fifty eight points and uh could be going down mm. if they get that minus twelve. It's all chaos. going on. It's chaos, Kate. I'm scared. <laughs> I'm scared. <laughs> it's all right, Pete Donaldson. We're gonna let you out of here. <laughs> Say goodbye, Pete. Oh we're out. I'll get a bye. Later. Wow. <laughs> Say goodbye, Andy Brassel. Bye-bye. Um, Tuesday show, it is Jules, Vish and Jim. So don't miss that one. I've been Kate Mason. Catch you next time. This was a Stakhanov production.